Squid in space. I'm Torn Atkinson. Bruno, we barely knew you. I'm Kevin Leeson. Need a cure for your syphilis? How about more sex? I'm Johnson Metzger. And now you're finally going to hear about the fallout from our alcohol episode. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you Johnston Metzger! But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational strap in for the Caustic Soda Show! Follow-ups for IV. IV, yes, if you're Roman. We're going to give you an injection of caustic soda goodness. Oh, I get it. I Int- intravenous IV. IV. Uh, now I get it. Four. Yeah, good. <laughs> Our special guest today is John Stone Metzger. Hello, John. Hello. Uh, I understand you've been studying history at some kind of school. Uh, yeah. Do you want to say the school? <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> well, I'm not done yet, so we'll see how uh, oh, well yeah, it goes. Yeah. He's only covered up to the Bronze Age so far. Mm-hmm. It's very in-depth history. In order. Chronological, I believe. <laughs> Is that, that how it works? Yeah. When you take a history class, do you start <laughs> at the beginning and work your way to the I, end? No. No. Technically, history is only written history. So oh. anything before writing is prehistory. Oh. oh. So Today, you, I learned. Let's just get right into it. Yeah. I mean, we're following up. Apes. What happened since we got I got to do a self-promo. Oh, yeah? For apes. Okay. I've got a comic online on Activate. That's A-C-T-I-V-A-T-E. Dot com. Act uh, e- yeah, exactly. Act I it's vape. like it's something that the, the ripping friends would probably say that when they're pressing a button. Yeah. Act Evate. And it's Incurious Bleak meets the Meta Friends. It's written by Mark Shaneblum, uh, also Canadian. He had worked on some Canadian superhero Canadian superhero group for North Canadians. Guard. North Guard, that's thank you. Mm-hmm. And one of those characters actually appeared on a stamp. What? Wow. Yeah, wow, Fleur de Lis. Yeah, cool. The Canadian superhero stamp collection. Stampalicious. <laughs> uh, and it's about, uh, it's kind of a mashup between Curious George and the Super Friends. And it's hilarious. It is good. I really uh, like it. And I drew it. And uh, you can check that out. Or we'll yeah. put a link up on this uh, the show notes. CausticSodaPodcast.com. All the art and the writing was donated to Panels for Primates, which benefits the Primate Rescue Center. Nice. So if you like the comic, you can donate. You also did another ape comic. That's true. Also I, on Act IV. It's true. It it's, was uh, a World Wildlife Federation of Justice uh, send-up of the Hostess Fruit Pies ad starring Gorilla versus Elk Diablo. <laughs> I also have a follow-up for Tentacles in the news. <laughs> the whole show. May 2011, if the final launch of the Space Shuttle Endeavor goes ahead as planned next week, it will be carrying an unusual cargo, Baby Squid. Ooh, to... To make space squid. 
That's right. It's a uh, it's a Cthulhu breeding program. <laughs> this is the next Aliens movie. I got a feeling they can only get it up while they're in space. Uh, but there is no up in space, Torin. Whoa! I know. That's what the experiment is. Which direction do you get it <laughs> in space? If you're a squid or otherwise. The squid could help us understand how good bacteria behave in the microgravity of space. We already know that disease microbes grow faster and become more virulent if they are sent into space. In 2006, salmonella bacteria were sent up on a space shuttle, and when they returned to Earth, they were almost three times as likely to kill mice as normal. Wow. E. coli also changes its behavior. These studies all focused on harmful bacteria. This is the first to look at beneficial bacteria. Cephalopods have never been into space before. That we know of. What would they look like in a zero gravity environment, right? Because they're so amorphous themselves. Well, and would they just go like total full starfish, or would they like maybe even you know in a defensive posture like crumple up into like <laughs> oh a tiny shit ball I'm in space I'm in space and just tumble right? I don't. Know, I think they're pretty neutrally buoyant in the water, so I don't think. I mean, I'm not saying gravity has no effect on them, right? But it's they very would all close. Be, they'd to... all be trying to swim and get nowhere. That's for sure. Oh, that would yeah. be hilarious if like, they're just stuck stuck in one spot. And they're just, how do they know, you know where to go? Yeah, swinging their arms. Yeah, also, where's my oxygen, fuckers? <laughs> I would hope that they would provide them oxygen. The experiment isn't just, let's see if they can survive in space. <laughs> All right, you pull them out of the tank and throw them out into the great black. Are you going to be awesome? Happens. Huh. If they did Get that, your notepad ready. Yeah, if they did that, because they're like, we're not bringing them back to Earth now. We might as well just toss them out into space. And then one of them like took off, and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, how do we That's get right. that one back? It starts glowing and a propulsion system comes out its back instead of ink. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do we get that one back? You can hear it whispering at the edge of your mind. Thank you, human. My race will return. The jig is up. Uh, That's no a squid kidding. joke. The jig. I get it. Uh, they will send up the bobtail squid, a Pacific species that carries a cargo of bacteria called Vibrio fisheri, or fisheri, in its body. The microbes colonize young squid soon after the squid hatch and set up home in their light organs. The squid use the bacteria to generate light, which they shine downwards to ensure they don't cast a visible shadow. What? Mm. That's awesome. A uh, complementary relationship, to say the least. Yeah, mutualism. Yeah. Newly hatched squid that have not yet encountered their bacterial partners will go up to orbit in tubes of seawater. There you go. All right. <laughs> 14 hours after launch, an astronaut will add the bacteria and give them 28 hours to colonize the squid. Then the squid will be killed and fixed solid and brought back to Earth for examination. Fixed solid? If I was going to guess, I would say frozen. Isn't that what they do to Han Solo? Fixed uh, solid, yeah. <laughs> they're going to replace, they're going to put the squid in carbonite. <laughs> I'm going to say put in resin. Ooh, like Jurassic Clear Park. resin. Friend of the show, John Walker, was in Japan recently, as we noted during the earthquake episode, mm -hmm. or the during our last follow-ups episode about earthquakes. And when he was there, he learned a, a bit more about uh, Sagawa, the cannibal right. rapist. Uh -huh. And he said the most disturbing part about the Sagawa documentary is he made porn movies where the actresses were locked in his apartment f with him for 24 hours. And during sex, he would bite them and say things like, I want to eat you. And then after the 24 hours, he would reveal his past and show pictures of the crime scene to them. That's riveting. John asked around to Japan and nobody really has heard of him. Right. They don't know who this guy is or how sick he is. And uh, he's been in B movies as a cannibal. My, he really gets into his work. He's yeah. a true method actor. Yeah. This is one of those guys that uh, should probably be killed. The Earth would be a better place if he were dead. Will he be killed by a tornado? If only. I'm voting for Space Squid. Okay. Death by Space yeah, Squid. Let's, let's see let's what happens. Let's get him fixed solid. Fixed solid. Uh, I mentioned tornadoes because there has been a tornado in the news recently. Oh, yeah. Down there in, the, uh, in, in America, in Tornado Alley. Big time, yeah. In Joplin, Missouri, May 23rd. 
tornado was rated as an EF-4, the second strongest classification with winds ranging between 166 and 200 miles per hour. The nearly mile-wide funnel touched down at uh, 5.41 p.m. Sunday and blasted a six-mile-wide path through the city. Joplin officials have updated the death toll from Sunday's tornado to 142. Among those newly found dead was Will Norton, 18, who had just graduated high school the day the tornado hit. He had been sucked out of his car despite his father's efforts to hold on to him. Wow, that's crazy. Norton was reciting verses of the Bible when he was sucked out. He was, <clears throat> he was found in a pond. He must have mispronounced some word. I guess it's the or, only explanation. Or he did it so good that God called him back. That's the other explanation. You're mm-hmm. right. Isn't that one of the deadliest tornadoes? In history? Uh, the deadliest tornado in the U.S. since 1947. There you go. So the deadliest in over 60 years. With that updated number, 2011 has become the deadliest year for tornadoes since 1953 when 519 people died. So far this year, 523 people have been killed. Wow, and we're not even done the year. Yeah, I guess it's tornado season, but still. We're having a banner tornado year, people. Nothing to do with global warming. Nope. I, I expect to see reruns of Twister any day now. In the Deformity episode, our listener Fav Nosnibor, hey Fav, with a PH, uh, he writes, I always liked Mask, the fugly Morlock guy in the X-Men comics who could reshape skin with his fingers, but couldn't do anything about his own butt face, especially since he always seemed compelled to make pretty people ugly. Yeah, I remember yeah, him. I remember, yeah, I remember character him. in the Morlocks. Yeah. Totally. But I, I think I remember some storylines, too, where he would actually make Callisto, who was supposed to be quite unattractive in her own right and make her really attractive so she could infiltrate places mm-hmm. it's been a while those were yeah. the old the morlock days that was like the those mid hundreds those, those were the chris claremont years for right sure. yeah those were those were certainly my years of being an x-men fan yeah yeah i mean the brood storyline right. the star jammers the shiar the uh i just remember him writing sentences like we are all of us x-men here Oh, really? <laughs> just weird, weirdly structured sentences that as a 13-year-old, I was like, what? wait, huh? People don't talk like that, do they? He just took the X-Men world and just ran with it and, yeah. and really separated it from the, the previous era of comics, which was just, here's some superheroes and, oh, no, some villains are doing bad things. Let's stop them. And he went, what if I send them into space and they meet an alien race that's awful and implants eggs in people? And what if Wolverine becomes a ninja and all this cool stuff? Like, yeah, just yeah. really interesting it might not be amazing by today's standards of comic storytelling where they've branched out and done everything, but yeah. for the time, he was, like, forging oh, totally they, they were the new trails. Days. There's a reason that it was the, the only series that I really, truly collected. Except that the Fantastic Four did all of those things. Before oh, there was Fantastic Four when, Envy. That's what, when, of course, Claremont had. Oh, <laughs> when Jack Kirby was working on it. Oh, yeah, he did. He got all cosmic and e- stuff. Except for the going to Japan and becoming a ninja. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That was rather big in the 80s. <laughs> I think it was Mike Tice, but I could be wrong, posted a video of a baby with anencephaly, which is a cephalic disorder that results from a neural tube defect that occurs when the cephalic head end of the neural tube fails to close, usually between the 23rd and 26th day of pregnancy, resulting in the absence of a major portion of the brain, skull, and scalp. Children with this disorder are born without a forebrain, the largest part of the brain consisting mainly of the cerebral hemispheres. Uh, the remaining brain tissue is often exposed, not covered by bone or skin. Most babies what? with this genetic disorder do not survive birth. Yes, it was Mike Tice. Left us the video link, which we will put on uh, the page. I don't really recommend anyone watch it. No. <laughs> exposed brain. But I will say that my uh, coworker uh, didn't believe it was a real baby and thought it was a puppet. I mean, that speaks volumes. That would even be sicker. 
Like, yeah. I'm going to make a puppet of a baby with no brain and an open head. Do they not know? They must know that this baby is like this, like, before they actually do the birthing thing, right? I don't know. It would depend on yeah. how many sonograms and stuff they've done. Imagine if this is the first, is how you discover that yeah. your baby is horribly deformed. Oh, my God, we've got the room painted and everything. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Super quick follow-up for explosions. I'm totally dominating this episode. Yeah, let's do it. Stewie wanted to remind us of Roy Lincoln, the human bomb, and currently deceased member of the Freedom Fighters. Combo character. Who was a human bomb. Yeah. I'm not sure really how he exploded and then came back together, but that's comics. He's a he's a very interesting player to have in Heroclix as well. <laughs> yeah. The problem with him is that he will blow up friendly characters as well as enemy characters, so you kind of need to sneak him around behind everybody. And then uh, blow the bejesus out of your enemies. Dr. Rob, on the topic of blood, also wanted to offer a correction. that There, mm-hmm. there are no lymph nodes in your brain. Oh, yeah. this was, He's correcting himself. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, he's, he's not sure what the hell he's talking about. The general job of lymph nodes is to carry the plasma, which gets squeezed out of the blood vessels in the capillary beds by hydrostatic and oncotic pressure. Oh, boy. Oncotic pressure mm, is pressure oncotic. across semipermeable membranes from the difference in concentration of solutes, kind of like how eating salty food makes you really thirsty. In your brain, plasma so, becomes cerebrospinal fluid produced by the choroid plexus, a structure deep within the brain. This flows through the ventricles, down the spinal cord, and back up around the outside of the brain, ultimately being reabsorbed by the arachnoid granulations. Ooh, that's, arachnoid granulations. Love also known as spider salt. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to bears. The bears. Thank you. Because <laughs> there's bears in the news. Actually, from 2006, so... Oh, news. Yeah, you did too many... Yeah. For that one. Berlin. Until last month, Germans hadn't seen a wild bear in their country for more than 170 years. Bruno, a bear who had romped across southern Germany since migrating over the Alps from Italy six weeks ago, was shot by a Bavarian hunter at sunrise. The first bear in 170 years, he crossed the Alps and was shot at sunrise. That is awesome. Government officials had authorized the use of deadly force after they failed to take him alive with an assortment of tricks, including a pack of Finnish tracking dogs. That's quite a trick. Tranquilizer darts and non-lethal traps imported from the U.S. Maybe they're offering that pack up as a snack. Uh, do you think they, they went to the extreme measures because it was an Italian bear? Tell me more. <laughs> didn't want to have to be accused of taking Axis bears into, uh, into the fold. The bear's demise prompted an outcry from nature lovers and animal rights groups, including callers who left death threats at the offices of the Bavarian Hunting Association. Many accused Bavarian officials of overreacting and questioned why plans were suddenly dropped to capture Bruno and confine him to an animal park. In North America, park officials like tranquilize bears and move them to different places yep. all the time. You think they could have called an American or a Canadian and <laughs> yeah. said, hey, uh, we're having trouble getting this bear. What would you recommend? You should shoot it with a tranquilizer dart, eh? <laughs> they said they tried tranquilizer darts. He's just too cagey and wily, Bruno. <laughs> well, well, hold on a sec. We can't shoot him with a tranquilizer dart, but we can shoot him with a bullet. <laughs> we successfully Maybe they shot were shooting him with, him with the wrong bullet. end of the tranquilizer darts. <laughs> yeah, the, the, you get hit by all the feathery bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he just, just like, "It's up. not working. Get out the real bullets." <laughs> yeah, and he goes, "Tee." <laughs> he's laughing <laughs> off the tranquilizer. He's mocking us. Achtung! It's a good thing they didn't load the bullets in backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not a German problem. <laughs> Bavarian authorities said they regretted the outcome, but blamed Bruno for forcing their hand. They said the bear had failed to show enough fear or respect for humans and was repeatedly wandering into alpine villages in search of food. If he tried everything to capture him alive, 
Otmar Bernhard, Bavaria's environmental undersecretary, said, The shooting was inevitable, even though it was difficult for everyone. <laughs> yeah, a lot more difficult for the bear, I'm guessing. Although Bruno didn't hurt any people, he was accused of eating sheep and plundering beekeepers' hives. <laughs> oh, now he deserves death. He also gave people a fright in the village of Cochelle Amcy recently when he ambled around a cafe, sat on the stoop of the police station, and <laughs> snacked on a little girl's pet guinea pig. He's just—he's uh, just taunting uh, them now. Well, here's the thing: here's the thing. They—they they haven't seen a bear in 170 years, so yeah, people are naturally going to get spooked. Maybe we should import more bears. Uh, okay, so he's, they can all be shot. German officials said they weren't opposed to bears in principle, only misbehaving ones. If a normal bear finds its way into Bavaria, it is cordially welcome. <laughs> Willkommen. <laughs> Now that he is dead, Bruno is welcome too. Plans are to stuff him and put him on display in a museum in Munich next to the remains of the blast bear killed in Bavaria in 1835. They should stuff him and put him on the stoop of the police station. <laughs> With a guinea pig. Stuff a guinea pig in his mouth. Do bears have middle, middle claws? He could just be pointing both middle claws at the police station. Did you learn anything about slavery in your history class? Well, I can tell you about a uh, 16th century cure for syphilis. Oh, that involves slavery. All right, listen up, people. This is our public service okay, announcement I'm, for the day. Well, so unlike nowadays, back in the 16th century, syphilis was really, really bad. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't just like drive you insane Before over medical science. over decades. It would kill you, you know, a couple of years or whatnot. Okay. So the cure back then was that you uh, you buy a negress. Okay. Oh, yeah. from, from West Africa, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where does this happen in America? Well, I mean, or... they, you're getting black slaves from West Africa, but right. in America, any European, any sure. European. Okay. I mean, this is the 16th century. Okay. So right after they've come to America, more or less, right. and okay, then syphilis has showed up in Europe. So you buy a negress and you sleep with her for a month, mm. and then your syphilis is gone. Oh, because that's or by the then you're crazy period. enough to think it's well, gone. No, no, no actually, syphilis it, actually goes away, right? It works, yeah, yeah. because she's going to have uh, malaria, and so she'll transfer <laughs> the malaria to you, and malaria kills syphilis. Oh my God, that's of crazy! Course, the, pro what? the problem is at the end of the month well, you'll there's a few, have there's, a, there's more than one problem. You'll, <laughs> have, you'll, you'll have malaria, yeah. and she'll have syphilis. <laughs> That's, that is it's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> right. The way it works is that in the West Africans, just West Africans, malaria doesn't uh, live in their blood. Like when you get infected with malaria, it takes up shop in your liver. Mm -hmm. And then it reproduces and then it comes into your bloodstream. And then whenever it comes into your bloodstream, you get all the symptoms and you die from it. Like fever and shaking right. and then, you know, you can mm -hmm. die from it. Um, which is what quinine uh, gets rid of. Right. So you take quinine and it gets rid of the, the symptoms. But What is quinine? I was always pronounced quinine. Quinine is the is a, a drug made from the bark of the cinchona tree. Okay, it's the stuff that glows when you get a gin and tonic and you put it under a black light. Right. Oh. The quinine. Right, okay. That glows and under. So what you're saying to cure malaria, drink lots of gin and tonics. Cure, it gets rid of the symptoms. Mm. Oh. oh. Uh, the thing is, that you can't actually cure it. It will it will still live on in your liver. But uh, West Africans have some sort of genetic uh, mutation. I guess. Almost like they evolved yeah, yeah. to a point um, where they were resistant to it. And that's also why they were imported to America as slaves, because um, malaria is rampant in the plantations in mm -hmm. the south of the United States. Mm. And of course, if they get white people or First Nations people to work on them, they They'll just die. They die. Yeah. Right. But if they import blacks 
from West Africa, they or don't die of malaria. They'll die from everything else, but they won't die from malaria. They might malaria. die from being overworked, okay. yeah. beaten, but <laughs> they won't just, die from malaria. Yeah. That is fascinating. It's terrible. So in combination with being a white person who, as a little kid, uh, I went out in the sun and I burned my arms and they like swelled up to about one and a half times and I got grape-sized blisters. <laughs> they made you sleep with a negress? It's a little bit hard for me to buy, you know, the whole white supremacy thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got too much proof that we're actually inferior. Uh, Fair enough. I think the fact that we were okay with being with owning slaves makes us inferior. Uh, uh, Jason Tiberius Carrillo also wanted to point out that Mr. T wore all those gold chains to remind himself of the chains of his ancestors were forced to wear. I think he auctioned off all of his original gold chains to to raise money for Katrina. Yeah. That guy is he's a real stand up dude, Mr. T. As I learned from the Mr. T uh, cartoon from the eighties. And also from a cereal. He didn't auction them up. He stopped wearing them. Anything else on slavery then? Yeah. Spooky Paradigm talked a bit about uh, the Spanish slaving of Central America, uh, Mexico, and the, the Caribbean, or Caribbean, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, but the thing at the end uh, that he points out, I think, is very caustic soda. They chained the slaves together at the neck and made them walk. If someone got sick or tired and slowed down the slave train... Yep, that's right. Head chopped off with a sword, body pulled out of the neck manacle, and everybody's back up to speed. Sweet. Good yeah. times. Well, it's a good pretty, time to be alive. That's yeah. pretty standard for the Caribbean. Yeah. I mean, they didn't actually breed slaves. They just imported them and worked them to death right? to make sugar. Uh, and a Delicious, few... sweet sugar. <laughs> <laughs> a few others. Dinosaurs? Uh, we got comments from a couple of our listeners, mm-hmm. including... Banks! Banks! About Theodore Rex, the movie Theodore Rex. Yeah. In an mm-hmm. alternate futuristic society, a tough female police detective, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. is paired with a talking dinosaur to find the killer of dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals, leading them to a mad scientist bent on creating a new Armageddon. Armageddon. Maybe this will be our next iRiff. Oh, God. Ooh. I can't believe you may make you watch this <laughs> oh, movie. Don't it sounds to, awful. Don't we want to do things people are actually going to be able to find to watch oh, alongside the iRiff? Factor. And uh, our listener, Amanda Atrill, asks, if you could have any dinosaur as a pet, which would you have? Ooh, that's a good now, question. you answered this one already. Yes, I answered. Even though it's not an actual dinosaur, I would take the plesiosaur, the marine lizard, mm-hmm. and take it to Scotland. <laughs> and put it in the lake. <laughs> Just to mess with people's minds. And uh, ride it around. Jo- what would your uh, pet dinosaur be? <laughs> uh, some form of raptor, like the velociraptor in Jurassic Park. And I don't, I think those ones were too big. Yes. But something, whatever is the equivalent that's real of that size, right. like a rideable raptor. Right, okay. Clever girl, too, you know. <laughs> Not like one of those herbivores with a little tiny peanut brain. This I mean, is like a two peanut brain. There is always the danger of uh, it eating your face off, though. Generally. That's why I'm on the back with a saddle. <laughs> it's got a bit in its mouth. It'd be trained. <laughs> oh, yeah, John, you got an opinion? Probably a dimetrodon. Ooh. Or, you know, any sort of large wait, wait. lizard. A dimetronome, that's the, uh, that's that's the, the one, one with that, the, that clicks, the frill on the back? Dimetronome. Also technically not a dinosaur. The, but, a well, dimetronome, well. it clicks in regular time. <laughs> they say clicking noise at uh, regular intervals. You couldn't ride a dimetrodon. No, no, no. But I mean, the sail on the back is a bit large and maybe colorful. You know? Would you wear it like a hat? Yeah, if I could get one that's like <laughs> a foot long and I could just put it on my head and walk around with it. Like an iguana? They look like iguanas with a big sail. It's yeah. true. And that's yeah. what they would do in those old 50s movies. They would just put a sail on the back of an iguana and <laughs> <laughs> film it from underneath. Yeah, add that screeching noise. Of course, I would go Triceratops. I mean, it's, it's eminently rideable. 
Uh, yeah. it's and very, you got that big shield protecting you from all shield. your enemies. Mm. Like, like with the like, kind of like dip in the middle so you could like shoot through it or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, like you could mount a gun very easily on a Triceratops. It's totally true. It's very chargey. Mm-hmm. I don't see any downside to Triceratops. It's a herbivore. No chance of it eating your face off. Well, little chance. I mean, well, it wouldn't eat your face off. It's not a smart herbivore. If, if it bit your face off, but it wouldn't eat your face <laughs> okay. off. All right, as long right. as you, as long as you yeah. don't want it to swallow, it's a good choice. <laughs> oh, my favorite dinosaur. Balloon Boy, Kevin. Are we talking about the Balloon Boy where we all thought there was a kid in a hot air balloon floating around for like a half a day and it turned yep. out that the dad just hit him in his attic and pretended so he could get a reality show? That's the one. That guy's a psychopath. And he's in jail. He's in jail for fraud. Uh, 90 days in jail and ordered to pay $36,000 in restitution. And uh, even more importantly, he did not get a reality show. <laughs> This is October 15th, 2009. Uh, Richard and Mayumi Heen in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm not 100% sure what this guy was thinking. Like, I don't know why he thought that this would get him a reality show. But like, he firmly admits that that was his motive behind the whole thing. It is odd. I mean, obviously the guy is mentally he's unhinged. A a, he's a bit quirky. Yeah, like how did he see this ending? Yeah, I don't think Sends he thought balloon, it He that. says, my son's in the balloon. And then all the press shows up. Then you're like, okay, well, hey, if we shoot the balloon down and everybody thinks the kid is dead, that's a horrible outcome. If we manage to rescue it and get it back to Earth and find out that the boy isn't in it, how exactly does that work in my favor? I don't see his end game here. I don't understand how he saw this whole thing coming to pass. Well, when the balloon landed and the boy was not found inside, authorities began a manhunt of the entire area. 
raising fears that he had fallen from the balloon. So then they could pass him off as the amazing falling out of the balloon boy? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then they, they just ended up, the boy ended up just coming out of the attic? Yeah, he was in the attic the, in, the entire time. And the kid was obviously not briefed on how to lie about it because they, they asked him why he'd been hiding in the attic and he said to his father, you guys said that um, we did this for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah good what one. a show. <laughs> You'd think that show would get pretty old. I mean, what's every episode? He goes somewhere and says, my kid is missing and then... They just film it? Well, they have like three kids. My kid's kids. been trapped in a, in a space booster. You just it, got ballooned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, you could go wells. You could lose your children yeah. in forests, cups of trees. Could, uh, Bears' stomachs. Oh, yeah. hey. The guy was crazy. Apparently, they had been on the on the television show Wife Swap on two occasions. Yes. And ah. during the time on a show, Heen expressed his belief that humanity descended from aliens. That's nice. why he sent his kid up in a balloon shaped like a flying saucer. Sweet. To fool them into taking him that wasn't really in the balloon after all. <laughs> Very confusing. Yeah. Very. No. <laughs> Next. Alcohol. Well, before we go on to talk about my pain... Why don't we talk about an actual follow-up? That it's something that I really should have talked about, which is uh, Newfie Screech and getting screeched in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newfie huh? Screech is a is a is a brand of Jamaican rum that uh, has kind of become the official. How can it be Newfoundland and Jamaican at the same time? Well, it's made in Jamaica, and then they import they put it directly, a label on it. and they put a label on it saying <laughs> Newfoundland Screech. Yeah, it's particularly distasteful. It's not a really good rum, no. no. Um, it's it's high alcohol. It's very... So um, screeching in is a longtime custom of many older bars in Newfoundland in which the person is to drink a shot of screech, kiss a codfish on the mouth, and answer the question, is he an honorary Newfoundlander with the phrase, indeed I is me old cock, and long may your big jib draw. I have myself been screeched in, but I was screeched in in Ottawa. Okay, at a, at a Newfie bar or something? or uh, The Newfoundland caucus. Uh, <laughs> you said that caucus. word is awesome. <laughs> nice. I haven't been back to Newfoundland since I've been legally able to drink. So since I you got screeched out. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what my standing is there. Okay. So the pain. Oh, oh the, the pain. pain. I wasn't in so much pain. I, uh, you know, I mean, I was a no. little bit hazy the next day, but uh, I felt pretty good overall. No, I haven't had any mudslides since then. Your, your wine looked perfectly pleasant. <laughs> well, I like the fact that after listening to the episode myself. I remember being thoroughly convinced that I was doing Dr. Rob's tests. <laughs> the sobriety tests. The sobriety tests 100% correctly and that you were all getting it wrong. <laughs> and then I listened to it myself and I realized that I couldn't possibly have been more off the mark. Self-reflective moment right there for myself. But that's really the only kind yeah, of... Yeah, everyone should get recorded while they're drunk so yeah. they can see what yeah. they look like or sound like. It's yeah. a, it's a, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, I mean, we went for pizza afterwards and Joe was accosting strangers on the street. Just as a note, we recorded this Sunday afternoon. So by 4 o'clock, I was on the streets of Vancouver outside of Uncle Fatty's Pizza. Getting people to kiss smashed you. Smashed out of my mind. Apparently trying to get girls to kiss me in the cheek or yeah. something. Yeah. I have no memory of the last half of the show. <laughs> And no memory of getting home. I ended up <laughs> dismissing our official uh, designated driver, designated driver Darcy, and uh, putting you in a cab because you were so unmanageable. <laughs> I didn't want to leave you two alone. <laughs> you had your pizza from Uncle Fatty's. No memory. Great pizza, by the way. Yeah. yeah. The taxi driver asked me to clean it up off of you because <laughs> if you get, get it on the, in the upholstery, you'd have to pull over. Oh, no. <laughs> so out the window it went. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, I dragged you into your home. Didn't I rush I put, to the toilet? Yeah, you rushed. As soon as you came in, you automatically, this was the amazing part, because you automatically made a beeline for the toilet. You knew exactly where you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you threw up into the toilet, and then you collapsed on the hard, cold concrete 
yeah, which, I thought, would be, which I thought would be good for you. I did, put, I did put a pillow under your head. You're a good man, Tony Atkinson. And then I watched E.T. <laughs> yeah. on your Xbox for about half the movie, and then you started to stir. I was constantly checking to make sure you weren't cho- choking on your own tongue or anything. Yeah, good. And uh, then you got up and sat in My a computer, computer chair. chair during the interim of that. Loki and I bonded. Oh, good. Loki, your little dog. And then uh, I wished you well. Yeah. Uh, next thing I remember, I woke up in my bed, I think about 8 or 9 o'clock p.m. Sunday, still really drunk, but also really hungover at the same time. Like, just in pain and shame. You were aggressive for the show, for the listener. Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. You're drinking for aggressively for our listenership. But I will say, I haven't gotten drunk since that show. This is like uh, curing a kid who you find with smokes by yeah. making them smoke an entire pack all at once. <laughs> yeah. Joe has been cured. John, you must have a hilarious booze story, don't you? The last time I blacked out, I was basically able to function totally normally. Oh. I finished the like podcast. That? Right, so you, yeah. you. So now uh, I don't, I don't do that anymore. You're afraid you're gonna wake up with a dead body next year. Well, or something. like if I was a total buffoon, I'd just stumble around and you know run into walls or whatever. But if I can function totally normally, like <laughs> and not remember it, and not remember, <laughs> it, yeah, remember exactly, yeah. And, and not be conscious while I'm doing it, then yeah, you wake, you wake up in your bed surrounded by uh, banknotes and those uh, giant canvas <laughs> bags, big dollar signs on them. It's like an episode. It's like that movie, The Mask, the Jim Carrey movie. He woke up with all the money and didn't remember how he got it. Oh, because he had the mask on. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you're gonna pass out, what's the point? Yeah, I agree. There are other things to do that are better. Like talk about Hitler. We definitely had a lot of listeners coming in to check out Hitler. So I don't know if we're uh, currying favor amongst the neo-Nazi crowd or... That's our whole new demographic. (laughs) I don't know if we were currying favor with them so much as just giving them something they thought they might like. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. But then we pointed out Hitler was a crazy jerk. He was kind of an asshat. Yeah, it turns out he he wasn't part of our awesome dudes in history (laughs) (laughs) series. (laughs) <laughs> I have an update on the Nazi sex doll. Oh, great. I, I want to hear this. The Nazi sex doll was for real. It was called Borghild. Borghild? Borghild. It was built That's in 19- not a sexy name, by the way. <laughs> like, they're Germans. Why not Heidi or even, uh, you know, Frida or why Borghild? And you can check out uh, information on this at borghild.de. It is in English, though. Uh-huh. Keep in mind. Uh, built in 1941 by a team of craftsmen from Germany's Hygiene Museum Dresden. Yeah, yeah. Hygiene, right. The Field Hygienic Project was an initiative by Reichsfuhrer SS Heinrich Himmler, who regarded the doll as a counterbalance or regulating effect for the sexual drive of his stormtroopers. In one of his letters, he mentioned the unnecessary losses the Wehrmacht had suffered in France inflicted by street prostitutes. Aha. Shakert, the director... Of the program. Yeah. Hoped a plaster cast from a living model and a number of famous female athletes were invited to come to his studios, among them Wilhelmina von Bremen and Annette Walker. In the process, Shakert realized it was the wrong way. Uh, He came to the conclusion, sometimes the legs are too short and look deformed, or the lady has a hollow back and arms like a wrestler. (laughs) So overall appearance is always dreadful. (laughs) I fear there's no other way than to combine. Okay. In Shaker's view, the doll should be nothing more than a female best form, a perfect automaton of lust. <laughs> that would combine the best of all possible bodies. The automaton of lust. That is a heavy metal band name if I've ever heard one. I have a follow-up to that. Sure, go ahead. Which is also a follow-up to another episode we followed up oh my goodness. on our show oh my God, today. This is like a three-way follow-up. A menage a trois? 
Hoaxes. Of follow-ups. All right, okay. Uh, we've got an article on boingboing.net where one of their readers writes in to point out that that is probably a hoax, including oh. the site borghild.de. There's no evidence that any of the documents the text talks about ever existed. The Dutch Hygiene Museum says that, uh, of, that of course, most records were destroyed in an attack in 1945, but that still no one they talked to seems to remember anything about this project, and you would think people would remember about this mm. project. Uh, the photos on borghild.de are clearly fabrications, and the site even acknowledges that. The author of borghild.de, Norbert Lenz, claims to have worked for a number of German magazines, all of which claim not to know a journalist by that name. Oh. He's not listed in phone directories, and the only book currently available in Germany by a Norbert Lenz is a book about ducks. Oh, this is a menage a trois of... So it seems that the entire site is a hoax to convince people for whatever reason that the Nazis wanted a sex doll. We should have known when the psychiatrist was named Chargeheimer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I do find it rather fascinating how we get history out of documents and eyewitness reports. For example, um, the thing that bugs me the most is the uh, uh, what we think of the death of Hitler. Right. The story goes, he married Eva Braun, and then they both took cyanide, and then he shot himself, and mm-hmm. then they lay there rather peacefully. It was a very nice uh, bucolic, picturesque scene mm-hmm. as the uh, the other high-ranking Nazis gazed in on them and so realized they, it was all over. If Hollywood has taught me anything, it's when people shoot themselves in the head, it's very antiseptic. At the end of the war, it was the Soviets who got to Berlin. Yeah. So the Americans and the British didn't exactly have a whole lot of information on the last days of the bunker or, you know, what's going on with Hitler. And when the Soviets took the city, they didn't bother to, you know, have a, hold a press release or anything because Stalin, he wanted to capture Hitler alive right. so that he could take him back to Moscow and keep him in a cage like an animal. Really? Yeah. His underlings, his underlings were not really keen to go back and tell him that Hitler was dead or anything like that. Oh, and there's also there was Hitler doubles and stuff. Like yeah. there's a there's another picture of Hitler dead with a bullet hole in the middle of his head, and that's a double. Oh, so there's there's pictures of dead Hitler unburned and dead Hitler burned. Many dead Hitlers is what you're saying, right? Right. So uh, <laughs> the Americans got the story from they captured Nazis who were in the bunker. The Americans did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Americans and the British they kept like because everybody escaped like. Rats from a sinking ship sure. after Hitler died. So we get, you know, a half a dozen or so eyewitness reports that are all basically, I was the last person to see Hitler alive. You know, we talked, maybe Ava and Hitler gave me something, and then I walked away, and then I heard the shot, and then I ran back, and then there's the door that's uh, airtight, was shut, and, you know, it's like five feet or so from the couch, but I could see the, the smoke from the pistol coming from underneath the door or uh, other crap like that mm. and then you know uh they burst in and they were the first person there so there's like you know six people standing there all the first person right. and then, then they don't mention each other <laughs> in one person's account hitler's a, on a chair in another one you know they're on the couch together etc etc it sounds kind of like you know they all came up with the same story and then they just tell it all the same way so you're suggesting that this isn't how it happened well if we look at all the actual hard evidence of you know other than eyewitness reports there's a lot of pretty strange stuff i guess when we write history we want when we read history, sorry, we want a nice authoritative account, mm-hmm. right. right? We don't want somebody to come along and say, yeah, well, you know, maybe, maybe this, maybe that, <laughs> maybe the other thing. You want them black and white. You want somebody to say this is what happened. After communism collapsed and uh, more documents from the Soviet Union got out, 
This dude, Hugh Thomas, a British surgeon, published a book, Doppelgangers, The Truth About the Bodies in the Bunker, Ooh. where he examines the Soviet forensics report and a bunch of other stuff and uh, comes to some a rather different conclusion than the than the story that you mm. see in Downfall. The various stories. Okay. I, I like how he used a German word, doppelganger, to like close the circle of this. <laughs> So in the Soviet forensics report, the body, so we've got the, the burned body of Hitler and Eva. Well, there's no bullet hole in his head. Okay. Uh, neither of the bodies have cyanide in their lungs, but they do have crushed cyanide capsules in their mouths. And the actual glass capsules, they look like they've been crushed with, you know, forceps or something like that. Right. Because the edges are all jagged, unlike when you bite down on one where it would be ground up. Right. Oh, okay. Which, you know, begs the question, and how did he die if he didn't die of... Either of these. Also, uh, one thing that Hugh Thomas notes is um, the whole taking cyanide and shooting yourself in the head is, you know, amongst forensic pathologists, it's kind of a, it sounds really stupid. Stupid? <laughs> um, well, like, well, if you, see in, uh, you see in, say, Downfall when they feed the kids the cyanide and yeah. they sort of go to sleep. Cyanide causes muscle uh, spasms that right. can break bones. Oh. Just to, to flip over to uh, to cults for a second, if oh, sure. you guys remember the um, the siege of uh, the Branch Davidian compound oh, Waco. in Waco, Texas in yeah. 1993, the, I mean, the FBI actually sent the tanks in. Um, they had already flooded the place with tear gas, I think it was, and then they caused a chemical reaction with the tear gas that caused it to... Uh, burst into flames. Yeah, burst into flames, yeah. but it also created cyanide gas. Oh, really? So... Some of the people died from uh, just being burned or, you know, smoke inhalation. Smoke, smoke inhalation, and then they were burned. But some people actually died from cyanide. Hmm. So in one documentary, they, they showed some of the photos afterwards, right? And in one of the photos, there's like uh, the burned body of uh, like a little girl. And her face, her back, and her feet are all pointing in generally the same direction. Eee. And also, it's like wow. you don't really, once you take cyanide, you don't really have time to shoot yourself. Really? If it if it works, yeah. Like if I mean, it's done properly. maybe they're taking the same cyanide that they use on Rasputin. Uh, <laughs> Mike just said maybe they, maybe he planned to shoot himself first. There's also evidence that the Goebbels family didn't take cyanide willingly. Oh, okay. They were maybe you know forced to. However, um, Hugh Thomas has a few you know credibility issues himself. When Rudolf Hess, uh, right before the war, flew over. Scotland. Yeah, to... trying to get the, uh, the English to join the Exactly, exactly. And then they just threw him in jail for a really long time. Hugh Thomas was the physician that came to look at him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and so he's examining his, uh, his torso, and he kind of had an issue with the lack of a scar from a bullet wound that Rudolf Hess had apparently suffered in World War I. Yeah. So he wrote a book about how he, this dude wasn't really Rudolf Hess, that it was somebody oh. else. Um, oh, he's all about the doppelgangers, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so this is like back in the late 70s. And then, you know, later on, he wrote another book about how the Heinrich Himmler dude that they captured, who killed himself with cyanide, wasn't really Heinrich Himmler. Mm. <laughs> because of, you know, certain discrepancies of uh, dueling scars and other whatnot. Okay. Uh, so and then, so he comes up with the book, you know, maybe wow. it's not Hitler either. Although he concludes that it probably was Hitler. He also Just looks that at... it didn't die in the way that everybody says it did. Well, he also looks at the dental evidence. Right. Um, because the Allies captured Hitler's dentist and had him create the dental records. Okay. You guys want to make a guess at how many natural teeth Hitler had left at the end oh, of his life? Oh, not many. I heard, uh, I heard from another source that one of the reasons that he embraced vegetarianism was because he had very few teeth. He had no molars. Oh, no molars. Yeah. Wow. So just the front teeth. Well, he had like four what? natural teeth left. The six front top teeth were all artificial. 
Uh, was he no good at brushing, or was well, he was a bum f- in Vienna, right. <laughs> right? He had no money or anything like that. And uh, this is a, a time when dental technology was, you know, not very good. Well, good. Um, Ava Braun didn't even have two molars to put together. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's no wonder he's the a vegetarian, really. If he lettuce. can't, if he can't chew meat very it well. Is, now that you think about it, and like even you look at old fifties shows, and like all the old people are all shown as very gummy. You know, they're yeah. They're, yeah. You got yeah. they're, they're talking like this, and they rah, 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 and they they can't chew solid food, and like that was just accepted back then. But they and, can put five pool cues in their mouths. That's right, pool balls. <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> Madness. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of balls, the Soviet forensic report also lists that uh, the charred corpse of Hitler had one testicle, oh. which is the only the only origin I've come across of the legend oh, that he had one, one testicle yeah. Oh, yeah the corpse also only had one foot so it's not exactly evidence that he had one somebody ball. might have you know, might have collected a testicle well you know like i mean off, it's off, off, blown off it's yeah, a middle of a war zone you're burning people killing yeah, people get shit foot. gets lost dibs on his ball this hitler corpse is not complete i won't pay full price <laughs> All right, what's next? Cults, more cults. Well, you guys mentioned the uh, Ohm Shinrikyo cult, although yeah, yeah. you guys didn't really get into most of the really batshit crazy stuff that they did. Uh, really um, like batshit crazy. Just bad research on my part. Little shopping bags full of rice and gas weren't batshit crazy enough? They opened up old age homes. Oh, so yeah? they were running old age homes where they would uh, like forcibly convert people to the cult and then have them will all their money. To the cult, and then they would, uh, and then they would uh, arrange for the old people to die. Anything else? Yeah, they had large industrial ovens uh, <laughs> that they would use to reduce corpses to fine white ash. Wow. And so they have never actually found out how many people they put in these, how many people they disappeared, because they had a really From you know, kind of a large more organization. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had yeah. sort of two tiers in the cult. They had the normal people who uh, couldn't have sex and were basically guinea pigs for, like, drugs and chemical testing. Wow. And then they wow. had uh, the scientists and stuff who would work on... Quote-unquote. They actually had real scientists and who, yeah, uh, we talked who converted about to it. Like, very highly educated membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. how they made the sarin gas yeah. and whatnot. And so they had them make uh, LSD and methamphetamine. Okay. I'm not entirely sure on the exact amount of LSD that, they, that the law enforcement seized when they raided the cult compound. Because all I could find on the internet was it was like 10 grams of powdered LSD. But the law enforcement apparently seized the amount of LSD that they seized accounted for one third of all illegal LSD seized by law enforcement <laughs> in, like Japan? in Japan or ever. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so, a lot that's of a LSD. Lot of LSD. What so a stash! If, if you did LSD in the early to mid nineties, you may have done Om Shinrikyo LSD. Ooh. I did not, but we knew a lot of people <laughs> we who did. <sure> did. <laughs> Chilliwack. I had friends who would have parties, and at the door, there would just be a huge bowl full of tabs. you just Crazy. walk in and take some. Crazy. I then you get cult high. <laughs> There's no high like a cult high. <laughs> Another thing they did was uh, they hired a Russian orchestra, and they went, took it on tour with them. <laughs> And what? the first half of the show was like just normal classics. But the second half of the show was stuff that Shoko Asahara had composed himself. Oh. Uh, and by com- like a cult of personality, eh? Like, oh, I'm a composer now too. And by compose, I mean he would hum a melody and get somebody to write it down and turn it into Hey, that's music. how the thickets oh. work. That's totally how the thickets work. <laughs> Don't bash work. that. That's all I got, man. Now, the question Wait. is, why did he have, how many followers? He had thousands and thousands, thousands. of followers. There's still thousands of followers. Why it's actually the, growing. Why are the thickets not rich? Why is caustic soda not rich? Not enough sarin gas. <laughs> not, not, enough, enough, yeah. not enough LSD. We're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to start making, distributing LSD. <laughs> this is not an admission of guilt. The Russian musicians didn't like that section of the show. 
Although they liked it a lot worse when the cults tried to uh, convert get, them. Well, yeah, they started trying to convert them, and then they started they trying LSD. to drug them and gas them. <laughs> what during the performances? This uh, is like an episode of the tour. 1960 Spider-Man. <laughs> well, the reason that they um, they got away with all this stuff was because religious persecution was a big thing in Japan. So, like, the government didn't didn't want to be seen as per- persecuting oh, yeah. religious religious groups. So, whenever anybody would say anything about them, they'd just scream religious persecution, right. and the government and law enforcement would back off. Yeah, when they come after caustic soda for our topics, I'm just, it's a religion. Leave us alone. <laughs> tax this is our free. religious podcast. Tax, tax free. Tax on. free. <laughs> We're going to fill out some paperwork for that, though. You're in charge. Don't make me fill out paperwork. This is a religion. <laughs> <laughs> My, you know what? Our, our uh, what do they call those? Our third commandment is we don't fill up paperwork. That's, That's right. Yeah. Chub so. Dureth, the god of gross, yeah. demands that caustic soda simply exist. <laughs> right from Chub Diggerath's many mouths. Jack the Ripper. John, would you call yourself a Ripperologist? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Good show. <laughs>